Well, I was, I've always believed you never embarrassed the pastor in his pulpit, so I'm just going to have to, I said the pastor, so uh, I'm, I'm going to have to keep my remarks to myself, but I do love you, pastor, and I am praying for you, amen, amen. We've already read the verses, Mark chapter number 14 this morning is where uh, and if you want to open your Bible to the book of John 12, I, I might reference uh, a few verses there in John 12. But Mark chapter number 14, as I was praying, is just how the Lord wanted us to uh, this morning and then tonight finish out the missions conference. And I, I agree with your pastor 100%. You have done such a great job. And uh, I pray that the Lord bless you. And you know, as a pastor, you feel bad for your people, but as I said this morning in Sunday school, you also know that when you implore your people to give, you know God's going to bless them, and uh, you just always does. And you know, I learned a long time ago, where your pleasure is, there's your treasure, and where your treasure is, <clears throat> there's your heart, and where your heart is, there will be your happiness, amen, and it's all kind of intertwined, and Know when you have a missions conference and it's, you know, really at the end of the day, you know, we need to give, 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 and say, man, all that church does is talk about money. I read a statement. I have not been able to verify it. I've read it this week. I have not had time to bear it out, but I trust the source. It said that just in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, not including John, but just Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses deal with money. I thought that was interesting. And then it said of the 29 parables that Christ told, 16 of them deal with a person and their money. I do know for a fact that money is mentioned more by the Lord than heaven or hell. So as much as we may want to not hear it, God has much to say about money. And it's not for His benefit. He owns everything. It's really because money, our giving is an indicator of our spiritual maturity. It really is. And it's an indicator of our love. Amen. So Mark chapter number 14, I read a story about a Christian businessman that was traveling in Korea. As they were going down the road, in a field by the side of the road was a young man that was pulling a a very rude plow with an old man that was holding the handles as the young man pulled the plow. The businessman laughed, you know, kind of laughed and made a, a joke and kind of took a snapshot of it and looked at the missionary that he was with and was kind of guide and said, I suppose these people are very poor. And the guy said, yes, and said, as a matter of fact, those two men happened to be Christians. And when their church was being built, they were eager to give something toward it, but they had no money. So they decided to sell their one and only ox and give the proceeds to the church. And so this spring, because they sold their ox to give the money to the church, they're having to pull the plow themselves. That businessman was silent for a few moments and and then he said, well, that must have been a real sacrifice. The missionary looked at him and said, that's not what they called it. They thought that they were very fortunate that they had an ox to sell and give to the church. When that businessman reached home, he took 
that picture to his pastor and told him all about it. And then he added, I want to double my giving to the church and I want to do some plow work. He said, Pastor, up until now I've never given anything to God that really involved real sacrifice. I think when you come to Mark chapter 14, this text is about that kind of sacrifice. It's, it's about the kind of sacrifice that really, I believe, is supposed to mark the life of every believer. It's the kind of sacrifice talked about men like Paul in Romans 12 and verse 1 where he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God said if we give him everything and do everything, at the end of the day, we have only done our reasonable service. Now the context of this story is Jesus is on his way to Calvary. He's in his final days and as he goes, a woman expresses her love and and devotion to him by costly sacrifice. Her labor of love is misunderstood by others, but it's commended by the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he tells those around him that that she has done all that she can do and that her sacrifice will be remembered and rehearsed forever. As a matter of fact, this morning, I am fulfilling that prophecy by even preaching on her. Because he said in verse 9 that wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world this also that she hath done shall be a spoke but spoken of for a memorial of her in the final days of Jesus when the greatest work that's ever going to be done is going to be done on the cross the lord said because of this one act and the same mention and breath of my cross and my sacrifice she's going to be talked about thought, wow, what an honor, what a privilege, what a reward to be mentioned in the same context and story, Calvary. May I say to you and I this morning, I want to look at this passage for a few minutes and as I do, I want us to consider this thought. The Lord said in verse number 8, here is his testimony of her. She hath done what she could. And I know your pastor probably has preached many times out of this text. And I doubt I'll say anything new. But I simply want to close out this morning with asking this question. Have you done all you can do? Have you done all you can do? Can do. And as we think about this offering that she gives to the Lord, that's the question I think that we should ask ourselves is have we? Have we done what we can for Him? Have we given all there is to give? Have we uh, exerted ourselves in every manner that we can? 
Can I tell you this morning, the Bible said in John chapter 12, I told you I might reference that, hold your place in Mark, that's where the message will come. But in John chapter number 12, the Lord said in verse 23, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Verse 27 of John 12, he said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Verse number 31 He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. When we think of missions, we should think of missions not only across the sea, but we ought to think about across the street and down the road and in the park and on the other side of the lake and and driving a bus or in the grocery store or teaching a class of boys and girls in a Sunday school room. Missions is any place where the name of Jesus Christ needs to be known. When you look at the background of Jesus' ministry, it was primarily to Israel. But when you listen to his preaching, he was laying plans for a greater ministry, for a worldwide ministry. In verse 32 of John 12, he talked about not just drawing Jews, but all men. In John 10, 16, he said, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Matthew 26 in verse 13, where we're talking about this story, same story, he said, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Every time Jesus talked about a worldwide ministry, what we would call missions, he included his death in the context of the conversation. In verse 32, if I be lifted up from the earth, what was he talking about? He was talking about not praising his name, but the lifting up was Calvary. When he went to the cross, it would have a far greater reach or effect than just Israel. And every time he talked about a worldwide ministry, he talked about the cross. This woman is going to perform, and my my message is very short, introduction is long, but I will be done before 12 o'clock with the help of the Lord. But just listen to me for a moment. May I say to you and I, the, 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 the cross is the motive for missions. The cross is the reason we ought to give everything. The cross is the reason for my Christian life. The cross, I believe, was the motivation of this woman. The cross, why do we go around the world? Why do we give others so others can go around the world? It's because of something that Jesus did, not something they need. First and foremost... I believe we give and we go because of the cross. 
We don't always know the needs of missionaries. You support missionaries that you may not know their needs every month, but you support them. And I believe we ought to know our missionaries and love our missionaries. But at the end of the day, missions and the motive of missions is about the cross of Jesus Christ. By the way, is that not the motive of the Christian life? Paul said that that, that, that the love of Christ constraineth him. Everything we do ought to be centered around Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. People don't go to the mission field because of the miracles of the Lord or go go to the mission field just because they love people. They go to the mission field because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We don't go to the mission field just because God is creator, but we go because the gospel of the cross I explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 we have the death the burial and the resurrection it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that word gospel simply means good news God knows everything he knows the thought of every uh, every animal he knows every flower and bird but there's only one thing he calls good news And it's not creation. He said in Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him. Creation is good news because he created the world in seven days. But he didn't call creation good news. He didn't call his deity good news. In 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. We believe the deity of God, but God didn't call his deity good news. He didn't call his trinity good news in 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, and the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The trinity is mind-boggling, and the trinity is a great doctrine, and the trinity holds much truth for us and blessing for us. But God didn't call his trinity good news. He didn't call his eternality good news in Psalm 90 and verse number 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. But he didn't call that good news. There's only one thing God calls good news. And it's the gospel. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. And Jesus arose with the mighty power over death hell and the grave. The Old Testament types were about the gospel. They they, they didn't point to his creation or his deity or his trinity. They pointed to a hill where a cross was planted and a savior died for the sins of the world. The greatest news that's ever come out of the mouth of mortal man and must spill beyond the boundaries of Israel and beyond the boundaries of Michigan and encircle the entire globe. Listen, is the message of the cross that's the motivation Jesus Christ died for sinners and when that's the motivation of missions then if missionaries quit the field and mess up and if people leave or if people don't like it the missions program will stay strong because they're still sinners and because Jesus still died for them The motive of missions is the cross. I understand the secular world rejects the message of the cross. They reject its message of redemption. They rudely and abruptly oppose the gospel message. They say we have tractors to move mountains. That's the John Deere crowd. 
we don't need faith. They say we have penicillin, we don't need blood. They say we have positive thinking, we don't need salvation. We have a state, we don't need the church. We have manuals of science, we don't need the Bible. We have Edison and Einstein, we don't need Jesus Christ. The cross addresses a far deeper need of humanity than tractors or penicillin or government and science. It addresses the need of redemption, the forgiveness of sin, a new life, a new heart, a new way, a new day. The cross is not ethics, though it is ethical. The cross is not theology, though it's definitely theological. The cross is not reformation, though it has social and political values. The cross is first and foremost a message of redemption. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. A wound is blood bleeding on the outside. And a bruise is blood bleeding on the inside. The entire man out and in needed the cross. And thank God for today if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you the motive of missions is to get you right here in Jackson. It's not just the one in Africa or Ethiopia or India or the Asia. It's you sitting on the pew this morning. The whole motive that Jesus came. The whole motive the church exists. The whole reason we're here is so that someone can understand that there's forgiveness of sin. That there's redemption in the cross. The cross is forced and foremost a message of redemption. The sign of our belief this morning is not a burning bush or two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments or a seven branch gold candlestick or, or, or all these other things. It's not a submissive head. It's not a harp. It's not a crown or a robe. It's the sign of an empty cross. But the good news is only good news if it gets there in time. The good news is only good news for those that get to hear it. May I say... The suffering of our Lord Jesus should be our motive for what we do. Should it not? And this woman, three things this morning. Number one, she did what she could in this area of sacrifice. Verses three and four, she took a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. She broke this box of ointment and she pours it on the head of Jesus and this ointment, we are told, is valued at 300 pence. And a pence, uh, what they tell me, was the daily wage of an average worker. So in modern terms, from what I've read, it was worth around $15,000. Some guys have it valued a lot more, but I think that's a fair average of what commentaries say. And this spikenard was produced from a very rare plant that grew in India. It was a very expensive 
And many people saved for years to be able to provide for this for their own funeral preparation. However, this woman, whom we believe to be Mary, according to John 12, and here in John 12 and other places, pours it out on the head of the Lord Jesus. Two ancient customs that are in play here. The first has to do with the breaking. The Bible said that she, she, she broke that box. You put all the stories together. Why did she break it? Well, when a distinguished person ate in a home, often the glass they had used was broken to prevent a lesser person from ever using it in the future. That may have been in Mary's mind as she broke the box. Another custom had to do with burial rituals. After the body of the deceased has been washed and anointed, the box that had contained the embalming spices was broken and the fragments were buried with that individual and perhaps that's what was in Mary's mind. But pastor, I like to imagine that she broke the vessel maybe for another reason and I'm sure those went into play, but I think maybe just possibly there was another reason she broke that vessel and it was because she wanted to make sure every drop of ointment was used on the Lord Jesus that day. Regardless of the reason, one thing is clear. Mary gave all she had to Jesus for his glory. And I ask you this morning, young and old alike, have we broken the alabaster box of our life? Have we poured ourselves out every drop for him? I don't know the answer to that. You say, preacher, I've listened to you preach all week. I've done more than enough. And I would say amen to that. But I'm not the measuring stick. He is. Have you done all that you can? I don't know the answer to that, but you do. May I say to you and I this evening that I believe this is the thought that occupied the mind of Paul when he said there in 2 Timothy, and I can quote it, but uh, chapter 4 and verse number 6, he said, For I am now ready to be offered at the time of my departures at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. You know what I believe Paul was saying? I've done what I could. We should look at our lives and we should ask ourselves if we've given everything we have and everything we are to him. You see, Mary's sacrifice was the ultimate expression of her love and worship to Jesus. She gave all she had. Have we placed everything we are on the altar for Him? Think about it seriously. What have you given to Him? And what have you held back for yourself or for another? More than likely, this woman, they tell me this, this, this ointment was going to be used. She was, she'd saved up all her life to be able to get it for her burial. And now she throws it at the feet of Jesus. And the critics, 
Could, this is 300 pence, could this not have been used to feed the poor? Listen to me, church. Don't allow the devil and the flesh to grab a hold of your mind and start asking those carnal questions when it comes to missions. You know, why are we giving all this money to away when we need to do this at the church and this needs to be fixed and, and that thing there's, and I don't know of any problems, y'all. Looks like everything's being upkept very nicely, but you know what? We could do this or we could do that around here. And if we're not careful, we'll get so carnal minded that we're thinking about us and we're thinking about what we can do but the Lord Jesus looked at this woman he knew she wasn't worried about her death and her burial and her future and what she would have she simply said I'm giving it all to you and trust that everything's going to be okay can I tell you something if you just throw your life at his feet I promise you at the end of the day you'll never regret it you'll never feel bad about it if that's what God tells you to do and that's the direction God tells you to go you'll never wish somewhere down the road. I wish I would have held a little back. I wish I would have saved some for myself. I'm saying when it comes to ourselves, this woman gave everything she had and the Lord took notice. I love that song. My kids sing, I don't know that it's a mission song, but he knows my name and you're never going to do anything for him that he don't know your name either. I'm asking you this morning in this area of sacrifice, have you given all? I, that's not a condemn, con, condemning question for me. That's just a question for you to ask yourself. From the outside looking in, you have. But I don't know your heart. and You don't know my heart. What I found is many times we can set and go through the motions, but we hold back on what the Lord's telling us. As you feel your card out, as you pray about what God wants you to do on this, if you've not filled it out, is He going to be able to look down from heaven and say, they did all they could? I don't know the answer to that. Well, preacher, if I do all I can, then I'll wind up in the poverty house. I just do not believe that at all. God said you'll not give a cup of water to a stranger in His name that He doesn't reward you. You cannot outgive God. His spoon is bigger than your shovel. Take a little bit to figure that out. But I promise you, his spoon is bigger than your shovel. So in the area of sacrifice, number two, in the area of service. Verse number eight, she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Jesus' statement regarding this sacrifice of Mary sums up, I believe, the depth of her service to him. He simply said that she had done everything that was in her power. The expression, what she could, refers to all she possessed. There were many things Mary could not do for Jesus and if we're not careful, we'll get so focused on what I can't do. Well, you may look around the church and say, well, I can't give to missions like sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, or I can't sing like so-and-so, or I can't play an instrument like so-and-so. You may not be able to do that, but can I ask you this morning to not focus on what you can't do or what you're not able to do. What are you able to do? What can you do? What part can you play? This this woman wasn't focused on everything she could not do, but on what she was able to do for the Lord. 
And anointing him with that box of costly ointment, she was giving him all she had. Her service was absolute. When the critic starts wagging their tongues, Jesus answers the critics and says, Whoa, 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 whoa. You have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not. You know what he was saying? He's saying she's done everything she could with the need at hand, more focused on my need than all the other things she could look at and say, what about this, this, or this? You know all God's asking of you today? Put his need first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Realize God said he's a good father. He is so good, he does something none of you daddies could do. He knows the hair, how many hairs your child has on their head. Tell me you've loved your kid enough to sit there and count their hair. He said that he knows the cubit, the stature of your, well preacher I do that, we got a chart on our wall. Do you know it down to the millimeter? God does. You realize your hair count changes constantly? And he's so concerned about you and aware of you, he knows your hairs. There's never a time. If, if he is so aware of something so trivial and so minute and something you and I, I have never thought, you know what? I'm just curious. One, two, three. Are you kidding me? But he knows. And he uses that to say, if he clothes the lily, if he knows the sparrows and feeds them and sees when one falls, do you not think he knows how to take care of you? And in that context, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Your food, your raiment, your shelter, the things that you need. He said, they'll be given unto you. The area of service. When the opportunity presented itself, Mary took advantage of it and experienced a once-in-a-lifetime blessing. The implication, I believe, for us is clear. When the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts, that is time to step up and serve God. In missions conference, it may not just be about what we're going to put in this globe today. It may be about what part I need to play on getting those kids in the bus. It may be what part I need to play in helping in Sunday school. It may be, the brother said, if you want to sing in the choir. Well, preacher, that has no implications. Oh, you might be surprised. you, You say, listen, I'm saying that when the opportunity presented itself, she did what she could. Too often... We miss out on those special moments of service to Jesus because we ignore the impulses and leadership of the Holy Ghost. That's why the Bible warns us to be careful that we quench not the Spirit of God in 1 Thessalonians. I wonder how many times have we ignored the impulses of the Spirit of God and missed opportunities to serve Him. Until we reach the place where when He speaks, we immediately respond, we'll never be doing all we can for Him. What the Lord is seeking is people who have surrendered everything they have, everything they are, everything they hope to be to the will of the Lord. He's looking for people who will assume the place of servants before Him. He's looking for those who will merely respond when He speaks to them. He's looking for people that he can say 
They've done what they could. In the area of sacrifice, in the area of service, and then lastly, in the area of surrender. In verse 3, this woman takes this ointment of spikenard. She breaks the box and pours it on his head, the Bible tells us. And in verse number 8, the Lord says she's done what she good. In Christ's day, people didn't sit at a table to eat their meals. The tables were low to the floor. I've been over in many Asian cultures, and, and, and that's the way it is even to this day. And the people reclined around the table at mealtime, and typically their heads would be near the table while their feet were further away. And this would mean that anyone walking up to the person uh, in such a position would be considerably taller than the person at the table. It's a, therefore assumed that Mary would have assumed a kneeling position near Jesus in order to anoint his head with this, this ointment. And in that one moment of time, Mary's making a great statement of surrender by kneeling and anointing him. She's declaring her faith in him as Messiah. She's telling everyone who saw her do what she did that her faith was in the Lord Jesus. At that moment, she surrendered all to him. Her act of love and worship also made a big statement concerning who she believed Jesus to be. You see, there were four classes of people and only four that were anointed in those days. Kings, priests, and I've got verses on all these, prophets, and the dead. And I believe by her selfless act, Mary was acknowledging Jesus to be all of those things in her heart. Jesus is all of those things. He is the King of Kings, Revelation 19. He is the great high priest, Hebrews 3. He is the prophet, Matthew 13. He was dead, but is alive forevermore, Revelation 1. This is what Mary believed about Jesus, and she demonstrated her belief in her surrender to him. Mary was more in touch with who Jesus was, I believe, than his own disciples were. She believed that he was about to die. They did not. She apparently knew that his body would not be available to anoint after death, so she did it ahead of time. No doubt her faith enabled her to see beyond the cross and a tomb to a day that Jesus would rise again to the throne of God in heaven. She was absolutely surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask you, what about you? Are you surrendered? To the same level as Mary? Does the life you live show you kneeling before him? When Mary arrived at that place, she had done all she could do. And when we get there, we can go no further with Jesus. At that point, he will be everything and we will be nothing. We will find ourselves lost in his glory. And I'm just asking, are you there yet? Are you there yet? Or are there pieces of your life that remain unsurrendered? Just as Mary broke the box of ointment, we need to break our lives on his altar that we might extract every last drop of glory from us and to him. She done what she could. I'm asking in closing if Jesus would be able to say the same thing about my life. Would he be able to say that about your life? Have we done all that we can do? I... I can't answer that, but you know the answer. And I pray right now the Spirit of God is speaking to all of our hearts. As I studied last night, the Lord dealt with my heart, and I said, God, am I really doing all I can do? Because the greatest place of joy and happiness and blessing is going to be when I just lay it all out. And I promise you His reward, His notice, His, his notice will mean more than anything else I could have on this earth. 
Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.